A Tricky Kid Media Original, distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Prince, the Encore, an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, where we honor the life and legacy of our greatest inspiration, Prince. What was once a yearly special is now a monthly venture into the vault of his royal badness. Join us for a people's history and hear from those who knew him best, plus fan stories from all over the world and more. You've seen her in such Prince films as Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge, and more. Today, we welcome the legendary Jill Jones. And now your host, filmmaker, DJ, and Prince scholar, Roy Turner. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Prince the Encore. I am your host, Roy Turner. Hey, you wanted more Prince? Well, you got more Prince. Uh, normally, we do this on the main show, of course, Tricky Kid Radio, which I hope that you're also subscribing to. Uh, and we do it once a year over there, but those episodes have now become some of our most popular. So, hey, why not make it its own show? And we're going to do it monthly and sometimes uh, even more so than that. Today's guest, uh, if you're tuning into a Prince podcast, you know who this is, but for those that may, uh, our guest is none other than Jill Jones. Uh, We had the best time, uh, and I'm so excited for everyone to hear uh, my chat with Jill. Uh, So we're going to do this in two parts, because we had this really great marathon chat. Um, It's not a coincidence that our guest this week... uh, is Jill, because if you're following along on Twitter, hopefully you're aware of the Prince Twitter mega thread that we're doing, and it's currently wrapping up this week. Um, it's hosted as well as by contributions by uh, Edgar Cruz and DJ UMB. Of course, it's part of our Prince co- collective we like to call the Purple Avengers. Shout out to both of them. Uh, and uh, anyway, the focus these months, these summer months, have been on uh, the eponymous 87 debut that Jill came out with uh, on Paisley Park Records. My contribution to the thread is actually the song, She's Always In My Hair. That's not actually on the album, but of course, it's famously written about her. Um, again, if you're listening, I'm sure you're quite familiar with Jill, uh, but if you found us from the main show, Welcome. Uh, Jill is the blonde waitress from Purple Rain. That's what a lot of people's entry to Jill was. Um, and she's the one that gives Prince, you know, the cassette tape with, you know, as, as the fictionalized story goes, Wendy and Lisa wrote, you know, the song that became Purple Rain. Uh, speaking of Purple Rain, uh, my wife and I just saw Purple Rain at uh, the famous Texas Theater in Dallas over the weekend. Uh, this, if you're, if you're not from Dallas or... Now, this is, of course, the the infamous theater where Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested after allegedly shooting then-president, of course, JFK. Uh, So they had this amazing thing. It was on, like, I guess, like, I guess the 30, what, seventh anniversary of Purple Rain. So they showed it and had a dance party afterwards. It was so much fun. My wife had actually never seen Purple Rain. Uh, Her and I were actually were married on Prince's birthday two years ago. Uh, in 2019 and I had actually had never seen Purple Rain on the big screen because I was only uh, gosh I guess I was 10 9 or 10 when it came out I remember I think trying to go uh, and it was either sold out or something I think I, I, I don't know but I never saw it at the theater 
of course I've seen it a hundred times since then, but I also probably also haven't actually seen it in a maybe about 20 years. It's been a long, long time. It was one of those movies where I only would watch it purposely like every few years just to keep it fresh and special and and uh, for whatever reason, I guess I just I haven't. It feels like I haven't watched it maybe since the late 90s. So crowd was just red hot the whole night and, you know, in a good way, not in a, an annoying, you know, shut the fuck up kind of way. But in a, they were singing, they were clapping and just, and I looked over at my wife and I was like, uh, yeah, you're not we're not going to get this on a DVD because, you know, I've been wanting to see it recently. And after talking with Jill, I was wanting to show my wife, you know, she's not the Prince scholar that I am, but. Uh, I thought, hey, you know, this is who who Jill is and things like that. So, uh, so we were having a great time, man. Uh, shout out to the people at Texas Theater that made that happen and put all that together. Um, uh, but yeah, like, like I said, man, you're not you're not gonna sitting around the house. You're not gonna get a whole, uh, you know, just this. And they're laughing at certain parts that maybe I never laughed before. But like collectively, it's like, oh, that is funny, or or it's funny in this context. So, uh, just a really great interactive experience. Um, so let's see here. Uh, so here in part one, we're going to dive into the Jill Jones record from 1987, of course, but being the focus of the, the Prince Mega uh, Twitter thread and all that. And then we're going to get into, of course, you know, my contribution, talk with Jill about She's Always in My Hair and a lot, lot more. Uh, part two, uh, we take a deep dive into Graffiti Bridge, man. And I love Graffiti Bridge so much. And we go into a whole lot more. Uh, so make sure you stick around for, and get both parts. Make sure you're subscribing, of course, to the main show. Of course, it's Tricky Kid Radio. It's on iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, everywhere else you get your podcast. Uh, but make sure you're sub subscribing to this new one, especially if you're a Prince person. Get a lot of great, great guests coming up. A bunch of episodes already in the can. And then we've even have moved over the previous eight or nine episodes we had from Tricky Kid Radio over to this. So if you're only interested in Prince uh, from the stuff that I've done, this is your show, man. Prince the Encore. So let's jump into it. Uh, come on, man. It's the incomparable Jill Jones. The, the Jill Jones record in the Paisley Park Collective is considered to be the one. It's considered mm. to be... The, the the you know the one that has the most consistency that has the best songs on it because it just kind of feels like that you weren't going to let it be anything other than that true it's true like i was thinking about if i could get your attention the one song that everyone's like you should have left that on you should have done it but that's not how our relationship was i think we strived for excellence in a in a really strange way we liked really um strange, bizarre, artsy type of things. And I think that that's what we were pursuing. And, and there was some lack of credibility when, you know, it turned into pop singing, pop songs. Yeah, maybe we didn't have our business hats on for that, but the, the luxury and the love of doing it was based around, let's really do an album, you yeah. know, something that's quirky and funny and carries a wide berth of emotions and feelings. I know that he had an idea of how he thought people who wanted things desperately or ambitious people were. And in a way he was right. There were, there's a certain type of personality that comes along. Even when people started coming from LA to hang out with him and get their records done, there is a type. 
and you can smell it all over them when they yeah. really want it. And I don't think I had that smell for sure, right. which is why I do think it was difficult for him to figure out what does she want to do? Well, uh, an art record. I, I didn't really have the lust for fame the same way. It was all a big laugh to me. Everything was a laugh. Yeah. Um, privacy was incredibly important to me. So that was not going to work so well. Um, I liked having space that he couldn't have anymore once he became famous. On, let's just go hang out, you know, right. like that. But I think, I think you were also way more prepared for it though. So the main thing, one thing our listeners might not know was that, uh, wasn't your dad like Barry Gordy's brother or something like that? My stepfather. Yeah. He was right, okay. his oldest brother. And had a printing press and uh, sold it and uh, put money into the company. And yeah, it was. And your mom managed Tina Marie, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you grew up in a household where you're coming into the kitchen and there might be a Stevie Wonder or an Aretha Franklin or something in you. Right. Your... So you were, that's way more uh, prepares you for somebody sure. like Prince as compared to somebody just hopping off of a bus going up to Minneapolis or LA or something, you know what I mean? True. When was the last time you actually sat down and listened to that record? I, unless it's when somebody has made me listen to it, it's been ages. I don't but, even, I couldn't even tell you. But what does it evoke in you whenever, whenever, whenever you do hear it? Like, what do you um, see the value, what do you see the value of it now is what I'm saying. Like for people that are hearing it now for the first time in 2021. I mean, there are things I probably would have done differently. Uh, there, there's still, but it still holds. I still stand by it. Sincerity, the the conviction that I had, uh, the Mia Boca, I do hear more than anything else. Violet Blue, when I listen to it, I'm just like, this song is sick. It's always going to be sick. Yeah, and totally. Hands down. Yeah. That shit is badass. And it is. I hate to say it myself. And I don't care who sings it. It's just the honesty in the in it. The uh the everything was just perfect in that song, particularly. What were your expectations in 1987? Seeing uh some 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 problems there. I think there were some problems with my record where there was persistence or patience. He and I had a very big argument at one point in the middle of all of this planning. And yeah, there would be times I'd be like, how come they're getting their record and I'm not getting mine? But it wasn't really the genesis of what our real issue was, which was this push-pull that I was really in love with this person and just had a lot of difficulty. You know, if he'd have asked me to give it all up in a second, I would have. It would have been no problem. But that really frightened him that somebody would actually do that. He wanted somebody to have a barrier that they loved more than him. And I didn't. I was very much aware that he had something that the other people didn't have. My mother was more concerned only because she always thought artists' labels were just vanity labels. and. Sure that they had very minimal success. And to a degree, she was right um, because it really leverages an artist with his own label and, and, and everything gets really convoluted about how popular or famous you're gonna be allowed to be within that. But 
I think with Prince, it was just his demeanor and there was something so mild mannered and a real sincerity to really be different than the other ones. He really did strive to be different than that and just hope, hope everyone did have success. Now he couldn't predict how he was gonna feel about each one's success, meaning Vanity or Morris Day, all of those people. But I think he functioned as best he could, um, but he wasn't able to let go sometimes and let them fly, right. you know, and, and that was where the pacing of his career and theirs started to overlap and became a little difficult, I think. To be honest, I don't think that he knew what to do with me before or really after that album, you know, because I do remember at one point he called and wanted me to have plastic surgery and get my hair cut like Brigitte Nielsen and dye my hair black like Elvis. And I basically told him to go, you know what? And (laughs) then he, you know, some other crazy shit he said. And then I thought he was just messing with Jean-Baptiste Mondino once who directed the video for Mia Boca had said, we were in Paris one day and we were sitting at a cafe and you know, we're going through the whole things about doing the video and the shots or whatever we were talking about. And he said, you know, you seem to just be a person who likes horses, dogs, cats, animals, people. Uh, all these things he mentioned were very free and domestic, domestic in the sense of like home life and hiking in the woods and all these things. And he said, it's really hard for me to see you in this business And I think that's why he put at the end, they just ain't ready for you yet. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2, type TrickyKid Radio Podcast on Facebook, and DJ TrickyKid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ TrickyKid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. While we take a short break, let me assure you this isn't an ad you can afford to skip. Simply be entranced by my voice so you can hear from these great sponsors. Hey guys, while we take a break, I wanted to tell you something about my favorite venue in Texas uh, and maybe the world over. Uh, If you have never been to the Texan Theater in Greenville, which is... Uh, it's you know a little ways north uh, on your way to Oklahoma. Uh, it's a, I guess it's about an hour and a half maybe north of, of Dallas. Uh, it is the greatest venue in the world. The proprietor, owner, and just all around badass Barbara Haran p- puts on one of the most unique experiences you will ever have in your life. 
uh, she approaches things from a very different business model that I think the whole world should embrace and we would all would be uh, better for it. It's just this amazing uh, experience where you get to see uh, one of your favorite artists up close in a gorgeous venue and dinner is included, uh, unlimited drinks are included. Um, you know, she treats her staff so well. They're not getting the whatever the $2 an hour and relying on tips things. She makes, she takes good care of them. N literally none of them have had to suffer uh, throughout the pandemic, thankfully. Uh, Barb's just a great gal, a great person, uh, very creative, and just uh, just one of my favorite people. And so if you're ever in Greenville or even near, anywhere near Dallas, make a point to visit the Texan Theater in, in, uh, in Greenville. And as you know, we're working on our... Uh, uh, King's X film project, you know, as you know, I'm a filmmaker myself, and so we'll be should be talking about that maybe in the context of Tribeca soon. Uh, but we will be having the film along with a live performance uh, with King's X there at the Texas Theater uh, as soon as we can get this sucker done. So, so once again, Texan Theater in Greenville, check it out. Well, what's up? This is the infamous serial wax killer, Beastie Boys DJ Assassin, Mix Master Mike, and you're tuned in to my man DJ Tricky Kid. Don't be a clown, don't sleep. Check it out, y'all. Once again, your host, Roy Turner. To discuss the Prince track infamously written about her, she's always in my hair. Out. How did how did how did it come on your radar? We I was living with him in this house in uh, Benedict Canyon, um, and we had an argument about I don't know. I left the peanut butter out on the counter and uh, orange juice, and he thought I was just a mess to live with, and I thought that he was being really picky, petty again. Right, so, you know. Um, we just, you know, it was like, those were our tensions. Those were our things. I'm like, what? Each, I was like, you just don't want me living in the house. You're going to find really stupid things to pick on me about. And that's how it started. And, you know, and I was right. Of course, he was like, well, I ended up getting an apartment in Westwood, whatever. Um, but then when he wrote this song, I think Jesse has another component. Jesse Johnson has another component to this song because he was in the studio recording with Prince when I called and I said, well, good luck enjoying your house when you get home. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and, and he was like, what does that mean? And I think I heard Jesse say in an interview, he was like, on the way to the house when Prince and him quit recording, jumped in and to drive back to see what happened at the house. Um, he remembered turning over and looking at Prince in the car and saying, you know, Prince, Jill ain't no white girl. Jill's a black woman. Like she ain't like already getting them all tuned up for like this house that was gonna be totally like in ramshackles. And for the most part, it did have some, it was quite the place uh, when he got back. So then he wrote this song and I had 
moved out and moved into, I think, La Park or I moved into a hotel right away. I was like, right. screw you, fuck you, bye. And then he showed up and called in the middle of the night at the hotel. I came down and I knew with like tension sitting there in the car. And then he gave it to you. He goes, this is for you. And I remembered like being too stubborn after I, you know, listened to it. Who, whoever said that you get to decide if you marry me, I get to pick the woman picks who they marry. I, you won't, you know, that was the funniest weird thing I had to, you know, I just couldn't give it, give it up and say, thank you. You know, I was just like, Hmm. So here's the thing. <clears throat> I had to question who was actually always in whose hair. Because when I was doing research for this piece, finding a photo of them together is nearly impossible. And I believe that if it wasn't on set for, let's say, Purple Rain or Graffiti Bridge, I'm not sure it even exists. You hear a lot about how he would expect the world to be at his behest, even in the nocturnal hours that he kept. Here's Jill again. But there were times he would call. And in those days, uh, we had the luxury of not answering the phone. Yeah, but right. you have to understand, then he would put somebody in charge just to call like every 10 minutes. So you had the, you could also just unplug it from the wall. It was amazing. <laughs> and then he would have somebody knock on your door if you were home, you know, and then you just don't answer. But that, that was him sometimes. And, and yeah, there were times you'd have to just be like, you know, incommunicado with him. I mean, I did. Right. I go really far away on trips or, you know, uh, you know, go in the south of France or somewhere in Lyon or down farther where I knew he couldn't just access me at a friend's house. Right. But he always tried to make sure he had friends numbers. I know he called my friend Lisa's house countless times, many times in the middle of the night with her sister who worked with the Kidney Foundation, had to be up at like eight a couple times of calling there with her screaming at him because she didn't really, wasn't a big fan. Yeah, because she didn't give a shit, right? <laughs> yeah, now we laugh about it. But yeah, there were those types of situations. Yeah, it was a lot. I think that for the most part, he did find us and we were up for working. But, but I do think he was that boss now that I've gone on and I've worked jobs. He was that boss over a holiday or a lonely weekend that you'd be working. Yeah. But, he was that guy sometimes. But, but isn't it interesting though that, that he wrote a song though, not about how he was pursuing you, <laughs> but how you seem to be always tend to be pursuing him. Totally, totally. I mean, and maybe in a way, I think I was pursuing him, maybe not always physically or in a, but in a mental way. Like, even if he wasn't around me, I think I, you know, I had his head, which was the most, it, that's where the pursuit starts. If you can get somebody a little bit in their brain where then they'll call you after uh, a recording and ask you what you think, or, or they're going to wanna see you and talk to you about something or wanna then hang out with you. When you get somebody in their head, then that then you pretty much have them here and there. Right. And I don't think he liked that all the time because some of my criticisms may be stuck in his head. Uh, some of my judgments a little with him. 
and maybe some of my, you know, applause too. So hopefully all that was a good thing. Right. So what was the last time that you spoke to him? When was it? And what, what did y'all say to each other? Um, it was during, uh, when Denise Matthews passed away, Vanity. Okay. Vanity, right. We, uh, myself, Apollonia, my friend Seth, and my cousin Pierce, we drove up to San Francisco for the memorial. And then we were there a couple of days and just sort of taking, processing that in. Susan and Brenda were there, Jamie Shoup. And that was a very healing moment. It was the moment where you really felt like a family of, there was a solidarity that is very different from your own family, but there is something that like, I, you, I, I can say stuff about these people, but you can't type of right. thing, sure, sure. you know, like, no, the, the, these are my homegirls, And no matter what, just to take that in, you know, losing one, was a lot. So then he um, reached out. He decided to do a show because a lot of people thought he was going to be at the memorial. Right. I didn't see him at the memorial. He could have been up in the rafters, but I don't know. I don't, I never really, uh, memorials were never really his style. I right. can't imagine it ever being his style. Um, but he might have peeked in. I have no idea. I couldn't verify that. Right. We went to his show the following evening and because um, we were supposed to leave and he asked us to stay. Okay. And uh, I, he, they were talking to Apollonia. He, her, she was talking to his people. And so we went, Susan, Brenda had, had to leave because she lives in Boston. Uh, Jamie left. So it was really interesting. It was just, you know, me, Susan, Apollonia and her sister, Lorene. And we went. We saw him at the after party, like he came to it. And he seemed incredibly pleased to see all of us. And it was that moment of like, you know, hey, like family, like you reconnect. Right. And it was like old times for me and him. Like he sat down, we started cracking on each other, other people, uh, talking about Apollonia. Sue's everybody. It was just the way it was before. And, but the one interesting thing that I said to him, I said, Oh, Prince, you have no idea how, cause uh, Apollonia was going on about Jill's wedding was so because I had remarried and it was beautiful. You should have been there. And he was like, mm. and then I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, Prince, you have no idea. I said, so many of these women are like been so integral in my life and such like my best friends, you know? And he was like, Oh, so now you're okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe he had found, he still got his little dig in there. Like I said, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess I am. Um, <laughs> and we talked about music. He, he, uh, we talked about uh, my album and how he thought it was such a great album. And he was really happy that people, it had come around and people really liked it. And I was like, well, I get, wish they'd have been there at the beginning when we were trying to sell it. And then we fell out laughing. I remember his fingers looking at his hands because he had, 
you know, his knuckles have gotten a lot bigger over the years. And the other day I was thinking about it and I was like, we often forget when we say Prince was in the studio for 18 hours a day or three days. But imagine you're moving your hands for about 18, for yeah. 48, 72 hours. His jokes were still the same. He was so kind to my cousin and uh, Richard Hallmark was there, the designer. There were so many nice things that happened. He introduced me to Van Jones because he was like, Van really loves you and has loved your record. And we got your masters back. And I was like, you did? And he was like, yeah, you'll see. So the plan was to reconnect and uh, in the next couple of weeks and, you know, really find out what all this meant. Yeah. And uh, we, I talked about that we should all get together once a year and go do something just as a group, camping, skydiving. And then he was like, I'm not skydiving. <laughs> but family. I said, yeah, well, yeah, we could go like to Dubai. They seem to have a pretty safe situation over there. And, yeah. You know, and he was like, Y'all, I ain't going skydiving. <laughs> and, uh, but we did notice he was very thin um, and looked very worn out, whatever that's, you know, I've said my piece on some of that sure. stuff, but sure. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was it. And to see him, I can still see him leaving when he left before us, you know, and saying, waving, and I'll talk to you later, you know. Sadly, this would be the last time Jill ever saw or spoke to Prince, as he died quite unexpectedly just two months later, on April 21st, 2016, in his home of Paisley Park, just outside Minneapolis. Rest in peace to Prince Rogers Nelson. Stay tuned for part two as we get into Graffiti Bridge and much more. Prince the Encore is part of the Tricky Kid Media Network and distributed by iHeartRadio and available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio. Created, directed, edited, and mastered by Roy Turner. Artwork by Antora Sandy. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Prince the Encore is hosted by Roy Turner, with introductions by me, Tabby Cat. Follow us on Twitter at TrickyKid2 and at Cat underscore Tabby. You can also follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash DJ Tricky Kid or twitch.tv forward slash Tabby Cat. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. Roy Turner is a proud member of the Purple Avengers, a collective of print scholars, bringing an academic approach to his monolithic body of work via Megathreads on Twitter, hosted by Edgar Cruz and DJ UMB. 